My name is Laurie McNeil. Um, was I'm a graduate of Princeton Seminary. I was ordained October 22nd, 1989. I served congregations in Pennsylvania, New York, New Jersey, and now once again in New York. Um, I was someone who was grateful for, for the organizations that evolved uh, in, in my early years of ministry, the, that all may freely serve, Covenant Network and the like, because that, that let me know that there were people there that were saying that one day perhaps um, I might get the nerve to, to come on out. And basically there was a saying, it's okay, you can live and, and be an out uh, gay person in this, in this church. Um, I was a person that didn't have much faith because I really didn't believe that for a long time. And um, I felt like I was a person of integrity until I had a clear understanding that I was lesbian. And then after that, uh, until I came out, I, I felt like that was set aside. Um, I, I want to tell three Jane Spar stories and then I'll tell the one that's significant in terms of my um, experience in the church. Uh, Jane Spar, I saw uh, speak at Moravian Seminary in the early 90s, and Chip Colson was a pastor at the Emmaus Church in Lehigh Presbytery, and afterwards he said that he had been at seminary with Janie. And he said, I knew in seminary that Janie was going to have uh, a, a significant role in the life of the church because she would breastfeed in class, and that was back when no one would breastfeed. And um, she made her mark right when we were in seminary. Um, but it's fascinating to me that, you know, in the early 90s, there she was in, in Bethlehem in my presbytery, and I was able to, to hear someone um, speak what no one else would speak. Uh, Janie Kane, and I'm just amazed at how many times I've seen Janie, Trisha Dykers, Koenig, and others. It lets me know how much they itinerated around the country and in places large and small. Uh, Janie came to Long Island Presbytery, one of the larger churches, had her come and itinerate around Long Island for a few days, but no one wanted to have her preach. No one wanted to have her lead worship. And so they asked my church of 60 members, you know, could she preach there? And of course, we, that would be fine. Well, and so she did, but it came time for the children's moment, and I'd kind of noticed that none of the kids were there that day. I had about eight young mm -hmm. little children, young mm -hmm. Um, school-aged children in this small church and um, and one of the fathers had said you know it's okay for it's okay for a lesbian to speak at our church but not to preach and I thought well, buddy every Sunday you got a lesbian preaching but that was painful that was painful to know that one person would set the tone for other parents you know that, that they felt that pressure even though they were really much more accepting but um, Anyway, that, that was a painful experience. And um, I, there was a third Janie Spar story I wanted to tell, but I can't remember it. So anyway, my, um, what happened for me in the church was that um, in 2009, I got married. And I was marrying, uh, getting, I, I'd taken a week off, uh, a long week, uh, for vacation. And it was really it was pretty crazy to be planning a wedding and to be closeted and to be serving church. And um, I was 49 years old. I was 49 years old. I was going to get married for the first time in my life to a woman. 
And, um, and I knew that life would never be the same after that. The church had always been a lifeline for me, you know, from my earliest days of my childhood. And there was nothing that I ever wanted to do more in life than be a minister. And I had such joy in that. And um, ideally, I would have married Lisa at my church in North Carolina, um, but that wasn't legally permissible. Ideally, I would, it would have been in a Presbyterian church. Ideally, it would have been a Presbyterian pastor officiating. But I didn't want the wedding to be um, subverted by the politics of that. So we were married in Massachusetts at a, just a, a beautiful little church in Harwichport, um, Massachusetts on Cape Cod, Episcopalian. The Episcopalians allowed marriages to take place um, at that time in their churches in Massachusetts, but the Episcopal priests were not allowed to officiate. Um, the, the bishops of that the bishop of that diocese did not allow that. So we had Lisa's pastor from her home church in Nashville, New Hampshire, um, lead the service. We had the pastor at that church, uh, Judith uh, Od uh, Odierma was the pastor that conducted the service. Judith Davis was the pastor of that local church, uh, an out lesbian, uh, who at one point had lived in my hometown of Aberdeen, North Carolina. It seemed to be fate. Um, and then a woman who had been about 10 years older than I in my home church in North Carolina, who I'd always admired and looked up to. Uh, she was a UCC pastor in Rhode Island, and she officiated. And that meant the world to me because that was like having the, the pastor of, of 20 years of my childhood and youth be present and all that that extraordinary experience um, to be there represented in Caroline uh, Patterson, Caroline Johnson Patterson. So she did the vows. Um, there were 75 people at the wedding. There were 25 people um, who were ordained officers, either pastors, deacons, elders in the Presbyterian church. Um, to go back. So that was on Saturday, but on Tuesday night I had a session meeting. I said to my session in, at Central Presbyterian Church in Montclair, New Jersey, I said, you know I'm going on vacation this week, but it's a little more than that. It's actually going to be a honeymoon. I'm getting married. And it was like whiplash. Everybody, you know, nobody's paying attention. It's a pastor's <laughs> report. And they all just sort of looked around and they sort of looked at each other. It's like, you're getting married. And there was just sort of, there were, there were like, but you could just sort of see in this moment, freeze frame, but aren't you gay, you know? And, um, and you're getting married. And, I, and then I said, and there'll be no groom at the wedding. And then there was just sort of, you are gay. We've known this about you. And um, Stuart Campbell, this beautiful man, retired man, said, I make a motion that we affirm our appreciation and love for Lori as a pastor, and that we go on record as celebrating her marriage. And someone seconded that, and it blew me away. Stuart was a wise man, and uh, he was—he realized this is gonna. He—he he tried to offer a little shield there, and um, and then this woman said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" Um, 
before we do that, we need to talk about this. She says, you know, I know people that don't come to church because of this issue. And they've told me they're disappointed with Lori. They feel like she deceived us. And we can't just go approving that motion. And uh, that was a helpful piece because there had been resistance in the church to much of the ministry there, and I couldn't figure out why. And in a nutshell, there we had it. They did approve that motion, which was a wonderful gift to go off, get married. Best day of my life. Uh, wonderful day of the, the, the wedding day was. Came back a week later. Um, the congregation at the coffee hour. It was it was unusually well attended service that Sunday. I'd sent I mailed a letter to the congregation that Tuesday night. Um, at the coffee hour after church, uh, people, you know, asked I asked if I'd say something. And I said, there are two dates that you need to know that are significant in my life. There are two things that you need to know. And I said, one is that my parents presented me for baptism when I was an infant. And um, forever I was signed and sealed in the love of Christ and grafted into this body of Christ. And the second was that when I was a young person, I, um, I made my confirmation, public affirmation of faith. And, as was the case back then, for the first time received the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. I said, now since then, I've been ordained and I've been married. Those aren't sacraments in the church. The others are. And I love being a minister, and I love that I now have this love in my life. Um, what's significant in the church is that I'm baptized and that I participate in this body of Christ. That was in October. In January, at the annual congregational meeting, there were people at that meeting that we hadn't seen in years. And the wagons had been circled. Um, there was an awkward motion that was finally made to fire me. I left, handed the meeting over to this clerk of session, and for the next hour and a half, they deliberated. And um, the next few years are just kind of a blur what the people that had circled the wagons didn't realize was that um, there were people there that really wanted me to be their minister. And so at that meeting, they realized that the, the people that wanted to have me fired realized they didn't have the votes. So they withdrew the motion. They gathered, they worked behind the scenes more. There was another congregational meeting in May. I was fired. It was a close vote. There were people that didn't come to the meeting because I was their pastor. Um, they were not willing to support a lesbian, but they weren't going to vote against me. They didn't come to church that day. There were people that abstained, and the vote pretty really was evenly split except for abstentions. If the abstentions had voted, um, it would have passed, which would have been an, I would have left as soon as I could just because it was such a divided church, but would have stayed long enough um, anyway. So anyway, um, I prepared two hymns. We gather here to bid farewell, or the Church of Christ in every age must decide. Um, we sang the second hymn, We Gather Here to Bid Farewell. And I um, 
when we were singing that hymn, there were some people that were singing it like, Ode to Joy, you know, this is the greatest thing that had happened. And I thought that represents part of the church. They're glad the lesbian is gone. And then there were people that were just in total anguish. And that was one of the most painful days of my life. Um, f fast forward, um, the Presbytery of Newark filed charges against me. Trisha Deckers Koenig and Doug Nave found me incredible attorneys. Mark Robertson, Todd Hampage in New York City. Mark was at the First Presbyterian Church. Todd at Madison Avenue. Um, Todd called his mother in Indiana and said, Mom, I need to finally transfer my membership to New York. She said, oh, you're finally joining the church there. He said, yeah, I'm going to do some legal work for someone in the church. She said, oh, I'm so proud of you. What are you going to be doing? And he told her, and she said, oh. <laughs> but anyway, and uh, they represented me. We won against the Presbyterian of Newark. They appealed the not guilty verdict. We won in the Senate of the Northeast. They appealed, Newark appealed that not verdict, guilty verdict. We won before the Senate, or before the General Assembly Public Ju Permanent Judicial Commission. Um, they upheld that I could be married. I was not in violation of my ordination, and um, I was not guilty of being in a happy marriage. That was my, my charge, too, even though it was a happy marriage. Um, anyway, New York spent over $100,000 of their funds to try to defraud me, and um, my, my attorneys did pro bono work. I, I'm so grateful. For what people have given. And then in uh, 2012, these amazing little churches in Ulster County and Hudson River Presbytery, Highland and Marlboro, uh, invited me to be their minister. And I am very grateful to be serving. And thank you for listening to my story.